Welcome to the Pattern Podcast from KXC in London. As a church, we want to learn ways of being with Jesus, becoming like him and doing the things he did in order to see the city we love transformed. This podcast is a resource to help us explore these spirit-filled patterns of living and start putting them into practice in everyday life. For this episode on the practice of Lecto Divina, we jumped at the opportunity to interview Tyler Staten during his time with us at the KXC Weekend Away. Tyler, who is the lead pastor of Trinity Grace Church, Williamsburg in New York, unpacks this ancient practice to help us be with Jesus through reading and meditating on scripture. Awesome, so we are here at the KXC Weekend Away and we managed to pinch a little bit of time with Tyler Staten, who's speaking here this weekend. We're really grateful. We wanna pick your brains on Lecture Divina as a spiritual practice. So why don't we kick off? It's quite a strange term, Lecture yeah. Divina. I think it's the most clicked on practice on our website, probably out of intrigue yeah. of what, what on earth is that. So tell us a little bit more about what, what, what Lecture Divina actually means and, and what is it? So Lectio Divina literally translates as divine reading. Um, and it finds its roots in the desert fathers and mothers. So the, the legacy of the desert fathers and mothers is that basically right on the heels of all the amazing history you often hear about the early church turning the Roman Empire upside down through this revelation of love. Then the church buddied up with power during the reign of Constantine and all of that power that was within the early church essentially became diluted and a lot of the unique counterculture. And so the desert fathers and mothers more or less mimicked Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. So they withdrew from the city and they recreated the potency of the early church in small communities in the wilderness. And a lot of the original orders come from the desert fathers and mothers, the Benedictine monks, this is the Franciscans, you know, they all came out of this. And so Lectio Divina is the way that they read the Bible daily within those communities. And so, you know, we can talk through the practice and how it's done and the form that it takes. But originally it was the scripture being orally read to a community of people that were bound uh, that we're making a commitment to say we want our lives to be formed by the scripture. And so they tried to read the scripture together in a way that would form them individually and as a community. Um, so you've talked a bit about reading the Bible there, um, but is it also about prayer? And what do you think is the interactivity between those two things? Yeah, so the, the unique thing about Lectio and sort of the magic of it is an interplay between scripture reading and prayer. And, and so it really is equally about the two. I think people often think of it more as a form of reading the scripture, but maybe when your definition of prayer is broadened from a checklist of requests to bring to God to centering my being on God's being, mm -hmm. then it becomes uh, equally a part of this form of scripture reading. So there are four movements in Lectio Divina, four readings, the same text, but after each one you would pause for silent reflection. Mm -hmm. And it's a listening prayer that you're pausing. So you're reflect, what you're reflecting on changes each time, but you're always trying to listen to what God is speaking and then respond to that mm -hmm. uh, in prayer and in action. Amazing. And so what do you think Lecto Divina gives us a way of, um, how do you think Lecto Divina gives us a way to um, interact with God that other Bible readings don't? The unique thing about... Lectio Divina is that it emphasizes the role of the Holy Spirit in reading scripture. Um, 
not more than any other form of reading scripture, but maybe more obviously um, in the way that you're taught to read the scripture in this way. So it is to choose a small piece of scripture and read it repeatedly, inviting the Spirit to speak to you directly in different ways as you're reading it. So you often hear metaphors like, the Bible is a love letter written to humanity. Lectio Divina takes that really seriously and says, the Bible has been written personally to me, and it is, and the role of the Spirit is not only to inspire the original writer of the text, but the Spirit is also inspiring the text to speak uniquely into my individual life right now as I'm reading it. So there's this dual role of the Holy Spirit that has taken place in what we believe the, the word of life is, like the living word of God. So there's, there's four movements to Lectio Divina. It's, it's always um, talked about in Latin, and the movements are, are, everyone gives the Latin name. To be honest, I don't know why we do that. I don't know why we still call it Lectio Divina in Latin, instead of just calling it divine reading. Um, and the, the movements, the four movements are Lectio, Meditatio, Oratio, and Contemplatio. Um, or, and you would say that on the street. No. <laughs> or as, as, as I would call them, reading, meditation, invitation, and surrender. Mm -hmm. That's how I think about it, those four movements. So what you do is you, you take a passage of scripture and you can use like the Book of Common Prayer, a lectionary, you can work your way through the Gospels. You can do this any way you want. But you have, you have a chunk of scripture and it's usually small. Usually you're talking about three to eight verses. And you read it once, and when you're reading, you're simply looking for what part of this sticks out to me. Mm. And the, I guess the assumption or the expectation you're bringing to the text is the Spirit is speaking into my life through the text. And so there's going to be a bit of this that is highlighted as I read it for whatever reason, and I'm going to trust that the Spirit is the one highlighting that part, even if I don't know why right away. So something is highlighted to me, a word, a phrase, a verse, a theme, a character, anything, and there's this trust that this is the Spirit bringing this part off the page and into my life. So that's the first reading, and then you pause for a moment of silence and prayer just to acknowledge this is the part that's high highlighted to me. Then uh, you move into meditation. Uh, and the question in meditation is simply, why has this part been highlighted to me? So I read the text again, uh, slowly, and, and this time I'm simply focusing on that part that's been highlighted, and I'm coming back to the text with this question of, Spirit, what are you speaking to me through this? So that's where you go from, I noticed this, to why am I noticing this? Um, third, the, the invitation part is, is to say, okay, Spirit, now how are you inviting me to live? What action are you inviting me to take as a result of what I'm noticing here? So, you, you know, and that can be as practical and concrete as like, I need to call and ask forgiveness from my brother who I've wronged, or it can be abstract or a change of motivation. But, but in some way, I want to live from this moment forward in response to what the Spirit is speaking to me through the text. And then the final part, which honestly, this is my favorite part mm -hmm. of Lectio Divina, is that the fourth reading is a surrender. Mm -hmm. So it is simply a way to read again and to entrust the work of my transformation back into the hands of God. So it's a way to say at the end, God, you stepped into my life through this ancient text and showed me something I didn't notice. And so I'm actually going to trust that 
having received your invitation, trying to live that out, but that you will do the ongoing work of transformation in me. So it ends with resting rather than, I think the typical Western thing is to end with application. Mm. So it's like now evaluate at the end of the day how you did in living in outer sin. And instead this ends with this surrender of God, I'm giving back to you what you gave to me. Like you stepped into my life and now I'm laying my life again before you. So the last reading is, is just a resting and a handing of yourself over to God. Yeah, that's beautiful. It really helps give us a, a sort of holistic understanding of it. Thank you. I don't, that would have been a long elevator ride, <laughs> just to be clear. Yeah, it's just the 33 yeah, stories yeah. that you just went up. Um, talk to us a little bit about um, how it is that you, you came to sort of practicing this, even, you know, getting going with it. But what difference has it made since you did make this a regular part of your spiritual formative practices? Yeah, so I'm, uh, I am a part of what's called a transforming community, which is basically a two and a half year program in spiritual formation run by Ruth Haley Barton. And we do quarterly retreats and you do a deep dive into a spiritual practice on each retreat. And in the retreat on scripture, we were taught this way of reading the Bible. And I have always loved the word. And so I had a very specific way that I went about my daily reading and prayer. And I wasn't really interested in changing that just Mm -hmm. because it was working for me. I was meeting God in it. I was enjoying it. And we were really challenged. Hey, give this a shot. This is different than the way most people read the scripture today. Um, Usually people read larger chunks of scripture. Usually they read them only once. Um, And those differences will challenge you and create space for God to meet you in different ways. So I began doing that, and at first I mostly just kind of wanted to go back to my way of doing things, didn't like it that much, and I have discovered, if I look back over my journals in the six or eight months since then, I feel like they're covered with words that God spoke into my life Mm. that led me to actions of following Him that I do not think I would have noticed otherwise. Um, And I think that they often get me outside of the way I compartmentalize my life because God does not see my life in compartments. You know, I can often come to God and, and I'm thinking about my pastoral life, you know, and so then whatever the scripture is speaking, I'm applying it to this one aspect of who I am, which is pastoring a church, leading a community. Mm -hmm. Um, But in Lectio, I found that God will speak to me about something from my past that I'm not quite over that I had forgotten about or about the way that I had a phone chat with my mom the week before. And and so it's almost like the transformation Jesus is doing in me has become more all-encompassing of who I am. And I can see that something I knew before intellectually but feels more true to me today is that God is equally concerned with my resting as my working, with my life as a father, as my life as a pastor, with how I have arguments with my wife as how I preach on Sunday. And I find that God speaks to those different aspects of me an equal amount. Mm-hmm. So really, that's, that's been the big change for me. Is it feels like my life is more open mm-hmm. before God for him to kind of meet me in different ways. And it's been really sweet mm-hmm. to, to find that, oh, the way God is meeting me most clearly right now is in this area of my life that previously I would have pushed towards the periphery and thought of as less spiritual. Mm. But in fact, this is where God is interested in coming to me. Amazing. It sounds almost like there's an element of surprise. Like almost, Mm -hmm. is it to do with the pace, the kind of slowing down the openness of this way of reading it rather than an agenda driven, I've got to talk on Sunday and I need to get some points out of this passage. 
but coming with an openness and a, and a, a slower pace to reading it that is almost easy to speak to you in more surprising ways. Something in there. I th yeah, I think there's something, I think it's definitely about the pace. And I think the first movement, the reading movement, I think that um, the way I was taught to study the Bible, which is a phenomenal way to study the Bible, is through like an inductive Bible study type method. You know, where you're essentially like understand the context, notice the main point, and, and that is, that's how I study the Bible to teach. I, I read, that is a part of who I am. And so I don't mean to take anything away from that. An additional practice I've learned with Lectio Divina is that often the spirit will speak through something that isn't the primary point of the passage, something that I would be tempted to overlook as adjacent to, to the passage. And so, you know, I'll notice a main character who's mainly in the background, or I, I'll give an example. I've always, really um, identified with the life of Peter in the Gospels. I've made a lot of the same mistakes as him. I see a lot of my faults in him. Um, and so I just can seem to be able to understand and put myself in his shoes a lot. Um, through the practice of Lectio, I feel like God has really highlighted Andrew, Simon Peter's older brother. Um, and shown me so many ways that my older brother actually made a way for me spiritually. And I've been able to share some of those things with him, and I've, I have been wrecked by the goodness of God and the unique ways that he has been pursuing me since I was a kid yeah. in ways that I would have otherwise not noticed. So I think, you know, reading the story of, of when Jesus first calls Peter to be his disciple, I typically wouldn't have noticed Andrew in the past. But just by opening myself and saying, God, what do you want to highlight for me? It seems most of the time God will highlight something and I'm like, really? I uh, don't, maybe I'm not doing this right. And then that thing will end up becoming something really fruitful in my life. So I think I've been surprised by that. I know that's a long answer. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> so starting to get practical, for somebody listening to the podcast who's never done it before, what do you think could be the main obstacles to a healthy practice of the of Lecto Divina and what could they do to avoid those? Hmm. I think the two big obstacles, one is just discomfort with silence. Hmm. You have to give space for silence and we're really bad at that. I think Silence makes you confront this, that you have no idea how addicted you are to control, even over your spiritual life. So you're so used to coming to God with sort of an agenda like, hey, God, I got to get to work in 15. I need a bit of a spiritual boost because I'm feeling anxious about this meeting. And, and, and silence is a way, uh, silence was explained to me in a way that was really freeing, that it is not just quieting yourself so that the spirit can speak. Like you don't have to have a revelation mm. when you're silent. It's actually surrendering control to God. So it's just the spiritual discipline of saying, God, I'm not in control. And you actually don't have to do anything according to my plans during yeah. this time. I am offering you my attention, my time, my being, and you can do whatever you want with that. And so if nothing happens during this period of silence, then it's an act of worship to you. And if I'm absolutely floored by a word from the Spirit, then it's an act of worship to you. But either way, it's simply an offering to God. So I think if I was just starting out doing Lectio, I would honestly do either 30 seconds or a minute of silence between each reading and just get comfortable with the fact that your mind will wander you, you won't, it won't feel amazing, yeah. but it's sort of like you're getting reps in at what is an incredibly formative 
practice and active worship to God. So that's the first one. It's just we're not good at silence yeah. in today's Western world. And then um, the second one, I think, is just we want everything to be effective. Mm -hmm. So maybe in the same way that if someone picks up a new workout routine and they don't lose weight quickly, then they'll lose motivation quickly. And I just don't think there's any form of, of spiritual discipline or spiritual practice that is like a, a get spiritually fit quick scheme. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of like uh, this is a way to, to encounter God, yeah. and it's going to feel unfamiliar and different at first. And so if you want to encounter God in that, I think you have to be okay with today felt quite normal. And I'm going to come back and, and pursue God with expectation in the same way tomorrow, because there's always a temptation to retreat toward the familiar. But again, that's just the addiction to control. Mm -hmm. That's like, I know how to do it this way. Yeah. And this is a, a new way of opening myself to God. But I have found that if you feel a bit awkward and clumsy at first, that's a really good sign because you're opening a new part of yourself up to God. Mm -hmm. And do you think that some people are more suited to it or can anybody give it a go? I think anybody can give it a go. I mean, I imagine that the, like the Benedictine community and the different communities, Desert Fathers and Mothers had people of every personality type and, and background and everything else you can think of. I could just share personally and say, um, so I'm, I'm a Enneagram 3, mm -hmm. which means that I like to be effective, I like to perform, I like, and I have found that slowing myself down, practicing inter intervals of silence between the reading of scripture has been so sweet to me mm -hmm. because it is only when I'm alone with God that I feel like I can truly be naked and unashamed, mm -hmm. you know, which is how I was created to be always. But I, I think it's so easy for me to be conscious of how I'm being perceived by others and this, this practice of just being before God mm -hmm. and not needing God to perceive me in a certain way has been really formative for me. So I would just say, like, I don't think I am the personality type that goes for this. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's actually why it has been so formative yeah. in my life. Yeah. So, so maybe if you cringe at first, mm -hmm. this, is, this is best for you. Mm -hmm. um, that's just based on my experience, yeah. I guess. Yeah. And you've given us lots of top tips. Mm -hmm. Anything else you want to add for somebody who's starting out with it that you'd say they really could do. Yeah, I think I think if you're in if you're listening to this and you're intrigued and you don't know where to start. I would just like if I was sitting down with someone from my congregation and they were asking me, I would say start with uh either John's Gospel or the letter of 1 John and just divide it into paragraphs and just take a paragraph a day and read it once. Notice what sticks out. Wait 30 seconds. Read it again. Ask God why it sticks out. Wait 30 seconds. And then I think it's so key to make some kind of record mm -hmm. of what God is speaking. So a, a regular practice I have is I practice the Sabbath each week. So I have one day of week that I don't work at all, that I intentionally rest. And on that day, I actually don't read any new scripture. I go back to my journal from the week and I say, God, what were you speaking to me this week? And I often will notice kind of a through line or a theme, or I'll be able to kind of pick up pieces that I would have forgotten otherwise. So I would just say keeping some kind of record 
And it can be so simple. Just write down the phrase that sticks out. Write down why it sticks out. And write down what you think the invitation from God is to you. Um, and, and sometimes you can even capture all of that in a phrase. You could just write you know, a single phrase that will jog your memory and remind you later. But I would say, and, and returning to that every six days is just such a great way of noticing how God is forming you and how he's working on your life. So I would, I would suggest that or some version of that for anyone that wants to start it in this practice. Brilliant, Tyler, thank you so much for your time. It's been absolutely fascinating and we can't wait to get going. Thanks for being Thank you, man. See you guys. Thank you for listening to the Pattern Podcast. If you'd like to explore more spirit-filled patterns of living, head over to pattern.org.uk.